0: Welcome to the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. My name is Ian Baques alongside my host, Matthew Marcancini here. Uh, I'm excited to be coming at you guys with another round of the pod here. we got a great race coming up in Portimao, Portuguese Grand Prix. Actually, do you know the name of the Portuguese Grand Prix? Are they naming it something crazy like last time?
1: Uh, no, I believe it is. Uh, there's something in front of it, but it's the, like Portu- something Portuguese Grand Prix.
0: Good. Well, wow, they're not messing with our brains, like putting full paragraphs in front of the names of Grand Prix. Like Seven last different week.
1: people's names. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but regardless, we are in Portugal. Um, a little bit uh, – all right, so quick agenda. We have a little bit of an update on the rules that are coming out later on this year. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the track and kind of the history of the Portuguese Grand Prix, and the, which is pretty short-lived, uh, and the weather and, and type of track. Uh, and then finally, so some predictions. So we'll, we'll kind of keep the predictions rolling. Uh, we might add a few in as the season goes along. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and get this started. So, first off, Matthew, how you doing?
1: Doing well. Excited to uh, see these guys really get after it this weekend, um, especially with this relatively new track for a lot of these drivers. Um, and you just overall, just myself, doing well, doing well. Can't complain. How's it over in uh, in Denver?
0: beautiful day in denver here we're excited to get the weekend started uh a great man once said it's friday then it's saturday sunday what and those are the words that i try to live my life by on a daily basis so makes that. it even more special when it is friday um <laughs> awesome all right so let's get into the first sector here we have marco we have a rule change from the fia coming what? down uh, i know the not very adaptable or, or you know not very agile governing body of the fia has come to us letting us know that we're going to get some excitement in the form of sprint qualifying um this is a polarizing issue here uh that that all kind of like outline the positives and negatives of um but essentially this the format is being switched up so if you're new to f1 um, this, this will be good info for you. If you're an F1 diehard, then this is not new, but <clears throat> our current layout for qualifying is set up such that there are two practice days on Friday, one practice day, a third and final practice day in the morning on Saturday, and then a qualifying event Saturday uh, afternoon and the race on Sunday. The FIA is changing it such that you have a first practice round, so, so nothing changes for Friday morning. Rather than a second practice round, we're going to have a sprint qualifying or or qualifying for the sprint qualifying. Um, And so regular Q1, Q2, Q3 uh, format, each being 20 minutes, to find out who is going to start where in the sprint qualifying race on Saturday. I'm kind of losing myself here as I go along, so (laughs) apologies if I have to go back. But free practice, Friday morning, Friday afternoon uh a quick session to see who starts where on the qualifying for Saturday afternoon. Saturday morning, it's just similar like to FP2 where they're just going to have another uh kind of like, you know, they're not racing anybody, they're just figuring out what adjustments they need they need to make to the car um and getting the drivers comfortable with the track. And then Saturday, instead of the normal qualifying uh, system that we're used to now where it's 20 minutes of Q1, Q2, and Q3. Um, it's just going to be a, a dead-on race. So it's going to be a shortened amount. For example, I know in Silverstone they're only going to be racing 17 laps. Um, but the point of that race is to decide who qualifies where for the actual Grand Prix on Sunday. So how did I do – tell me how I did it on explaining that at a scale of 1 to 10 and be very kind because I
1: have a gentle ego. So, um, what would you say? <laughs> <laughs> right, so basically, it's it's now you're doing a race to get into a race to get into a race, is, is right? Yeah, yeah. Instead of you know one race to get into the next race, you're racing to line up for one race, and then that alignment and how you finish there gets you to the main race.
0: Right. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, raceception if uh if the movie inception were even less uh you know made even less sense and was even more confusing so it's like if uh, uh,
1: the movie cars and inception were combined <laughs>
0: exactly um so this is uh, like this is this was kind of like the news of the week so Um, obviously Twitter was set ablaze just because anytime anything changes, people are going to react to it either super positively, super negatively you know, everybody's chasing cloud online. So, um, I'm going to outline the arguments that I've seen that are in favor of this and that see this as kind of a, uh, you know, a a negative impact on the sport that we all love. So, um, I'm going to start with the positive starting on a good note and we will end with, uh, why this, this is probably the worst decision ever, um, just kidding, by the way. I'm a big fan. Positive notes, and this is kind of the camp that I'm in. Um, this is just going to add more excitement to the weekend, right? We are talking about going to a Grand Prix ourselves sometime in October, and um, this, you know, this would be awesome to see two lights out over the course of one weekend, right? Like, it's, it's, it's you know, more excitement, more action. Uh, we've talked about how Liberty Media is great at getting people, inter- like, interested in Formula One. But it's tough about – it's tough to keep people's interest in Formula One just because of the nature of the sport. It's just not for everybody. This just gives more action. So that's a positive. DRS is going to be active. So there are going to be chances for overtakes right off the bat. Um, you know, when I kind of think about this, my brain goes to, okay, so, like, Russell has – it's a big deal when he gets into Q2, right? Um, but, you know, what if he could somehow pull it out of his – you know, pull it out of his ass that he can't get around two or three more cars, you know, and maybe start top – you know, I don't know, maybe even start in the points. Like, that would – that could get him over the mm, line. Let's not go crazy over here.
1: Yeah, I don't I – don't right, right, as soon as I said you. that –
0: as soon as I said that, I was like, maybe I should say that a different way. Maybe I um, pick someone
1: else. Yeah. Uh,
0: no, but I, in all seriousness, like this is going to to allow uh, you know just one more door uh, to potentially open for something cool to happen like that right some it's going to allow for people who maybe don't usually race each other to be racing each other like i don't remember you know i obviously we had russell and, and botas last last week um but i don't really remember a time seeing like Giovinazzi nazi and verstappen racing right which you know i'm not saying it's going to happen but it's at least more likely um with them not being just on complete polar sides of the grid uh, when you zoom out I think it's positive that you're seeing that F1 is trying new things out um, just because, you know, it's – you do have people who say the sport's a little repetitive. You know, you can always kind of guess either one, two, or maybe three different people who usually win the race. Um, Let's see some kind of variety. So this is going to offer that variety. Um, even if this isn't kind of the way to change qualifying, it's interesting that the FIA is, is, you know, making some kind of move in this way and not just being sort of an immovable object. Um, and then finally, like, if it sucks, let's say that you know, Max crashes out on a on a sprint qualifier so that he has to start, you know, in the back like you know, 15th to 20th, it's still going to be. It's going to be three races that they're doing this. I think it's going to be uh, two races in Europe and one race outside of Europe. I think there's just a lot of room for um, cool stuff to happen, and if it doesn't, then we can just kind of ditch it and, and go back to the drawing board.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest thing that I thought of was your last point, where you know every single race, there is something that happens, where, whether it's a DNF, there's a crash, there's something uh, exciting to happen, and to increase the, the chances of that actually happening into another race, another qualifying just brings that much more chances of, yeah, potentially a a top driver, let's say Lewis Hamilton. If he spins out in something similar to that, where there's only 17 laps, he's not making that, that time back up. You know, he's not going to be able to finish where he did, um, two weeks ago. So I think this, yeah, definitely just brings more possibility of craziness, which I think, you know, the sport does need.
0: Yeah, totally agree. So, that's the positive end of things and the negative end of the things, um, uh, just kind of, there was a lot of this, uh, from what I saw on Twitter, uh, just like pessimism, people seeing something new and, and automatically shooting it down and saying like, Oh, that's like, that's not the F one that I know, you know, qualifying is meant to show who can put together the fastest lap and that gets you track position on the grid, which I understand. Um, uh, but trying to, you know, not make a, a straw man out of their argument and actually, you know, understand where they're coming from as far as like the negative side of this new qualifying idea um i can sympathize with it possibly killing anticipation for the race um in that it would desensitize you toward like you know fans of this sport there's just simply like nothing like seeing those lights go out and that first you know cars jetting down to the first corner like that is such an exciting thing anything that threatens to desensitize that feeling uh that f1 fans get i get why there would be a little bit of pushback um also you know like i mentioned earlier a lot of people see the point of qualifying as to say okay show me who put out the best package of car right so you know show me who got you know made the right adjustments um you know the, the drivers getting the most out of the track, be it in, you know, high speed or low speed corners, like everything has to go to, uh, in, in some of the, in some people's minds, everything has to be broken down to, okay, if you can get around the lap faster than another guy, you should start ahead of him in, on the grid. So that kind of turns this upside down, especially since there is DRS and that, um, you know, a little hint of like artificial racing with DRS. Like, um, uh, I can, I can, Very much sympathize with the fact that people are going to say, okay, this, you know, this doesn't seem like a good idea because it's going to put people in grid positions that they necessarily or maybe shouldn't be. Um, Also, you know, we saw, I mean, Sergio Perez on the first race of the year with Red Bull um, in his formation lap, his car broke down. Like imagine if Sergio's car broke down on a sprint qualifier um, where, you know, All of a sudden, a car that should be starting within the top, definitely within the top four, um, all of a sudden is now starting at the very, very back of the grid. Um, And it's not even like an actual, you know, qualifying. I think that would just be too much of a shift under people's feet. And lastly, just like the gimmicky nature of this, we just saw like the European Super League get shut down um, because it was too much like American sports. This kind of feels like, uh, you know, there's no like American sports that do this exact like sprint qualifying type stuff. Um, but at the same time, I can I can you know very much see the viewpoint of this is just kind of gimmicky. Like the the sport is is cool as it is. Um, there's ways to change F1 that don't involve sort of undermining something as important as the entire qualifying structure. So um, I think like that would be the positive and negative. I'll I'll give my opinion. But where do you you know on that spectrum, Marco? Where would you say that you lean?
1: I feel like the uh, the negatives, each of those negatives that you had mentioned. I felt had I had strong counterpoints against, so yeah. you know the whole the big thing with the lights out. I mean, you're getting two lights out now every single weekend. I think that would be incredible. Like that that adrenaline, that initial start, the the cars you know all flying down all together into the the first turn. You're gonna get twice as much of that, and, and so much more that happens usually within that that first little stretch. In straightaway. So um, I think that was something really interesting. I mean, the Sergio, Sergio Perez starting at the back of the grid, he actually did start at the back of the grid anyways. So um, yeah, so that one, and then like the, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, this is just leveling the playing field. Like I think this sport desperately needs to level this playing field. It, you know, just because, you know, you have the, a Mercedes that has the biggest budget and I know they're, you know, working on these, these budget decreases and I don't see a ton of people raising their hand about this. So I think this is just another way to potentially, you know um, you know, level the playing field. So um, I'm, I'm fully for it. I think that um, it does, you know, spark a little more attention, more attraction to, to change things up. I know people were talking about changing up qualifying where, uh, depending on where you are listed in the Constructors' Cup, they did a reverse grid uh, where you know last places would start first. I think that's way too, way too out of it, way too out of the blue, and, and um, way too much change. So I think this is not even a happy medium. I think it's, it's definitely still on the, on the side of a typical qualifying, but uh, just it just does have that little bit of flair to it.
0: Yeah, agreed. Awesome. So that's uh, I think the first race that we get to see that is it's going to be a European race. I think that they that they did first, it's either going to be Silverstone or uh, or somewhere else. But, you know, this is just kind of one of those things where it's where it's, you know, there's so many opinions right now over something that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so it's like everybody like, you know, if they just kind of wait to see what, uh, you know, what the benefits are, then uh, then we'll get a much, much clearer picture. Uh, But all right, that's that. Moving on, um, let's hear a little bit about the Portuguese Grand Prix track in Portimao. Um, So you got that. Tell us a little bit about Portimao.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Portimao uh, was opened in autumn of 2008, uh, costed about 195 million euros, so uh, a little over 200 million dollars. Uh, it actually didn't – so it opened in 2008. It didn't actually join the F1 cal- calendar until 2020, uh, and it was really short notice that they got the call-up. Uh, it was due to COVID-19 changes, and um, they just needed to, to work out a schedule that, that worked for everyone, and so that that was their, their quick call-up to the F1. Um, and so a lot of the F1 drivers actually did not have – you know, experience with this, there was a handful of drivers that have with Ricardo, Leclerc, Bottas, um, all having it, but it was all doing during their junior year careers. Uh, so this is really, you know, an interesting track where there's not really any history of it. Um, the uh, The track itself, it's uh, in. El Garve, which is one of the Europe's most popular tourist destinations, very cool area. A little bit about the track: there is big downhill and right-hand turns after the main straight, so downhill slopes uh, and uphill slopes. So um, you know a lot of elevation. And uh, the track is really good for overtaking because uh, of the circuit width. Uh, so a lot of these uh, parts of the track are really wide. So um, I think that's something exciting for us to look forward to is the possibility for uh, a lot of overtakes. I think you know, especially with these last this last race, a uh, little little thinner, a uh, little harder to do so. Um, so that was something excited.
0: The uphill, downhill slopes are something that I think are super underrated about this track. Uh, I remember seeing, man, I think it was Lando when he was like, you know, up and down, side to side, like a roller coaster or something like that. He was, he got caught saying that on his team radio. Um, and then if you drive the track in, uh, in the F1 video game, you see it's like, it's just, it's very hilly. Um, and it's it's kind of nice to, to see that it's, you know, not just all straight ground. You, you you You're sometimes like, you know, taking a bank where you can't see more than, you know, 200 yards in front of you. So it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I agree. That causes a little bit of danger as well. Similar to old school circuits where it is kind of like a roller coaster ride where you're up and down and this was uh, actually new asphalt, relatively new asphalt. And um, the grip was not as strong as it has been in other tracks. So potentials for some, some slip ups there to be looking out for uh, the track track itself. It's 4.65 kilometers with 15 turns. And looking at the sole race in F1 history from this, Lewis, of course, won this race last year. This was actually a huge win for him because it ended up being his 92nd win, breaking Schumacher's record. Lewis absolutely dominated this race. And surprise, surprise as well, Botas and Max coming in second and third respectfully. Uh, this is how much he dominated. He beat Botas by 25 and a half seconds, Max by 34, Charles Leclerc, who was fourth by 65, and he lapped everyone else. That's, that ridiculous. So, That's ridiculous. So I mean, he was absolutely flying, and then just looking at the weather, uh, tomorrow and Sunday look to be absolutely beautiful. Sixty-six, partly cloudy Saturday, and seventy, partly cloudy Sunday. So it's going to be pretty perfect weather for these cars to be work, uh, to be driving in an optimal condition.
0: Nice. Yeah, I think uh, the only thing that I heard about Portimao from last year that that uh, that I think. They were looking into it over the winter, but uh, from from what I hear from the drivers' press conferences, things haven't changed too much. Is um, this is a slippery track? So the tarmac itself, um, because of how new it is, it's not necessarily worn down that much. Um, and so cars were slipping kind of all over the grid last year. Um, and as far as I know, the situation's got better, but it's not necessarily like you know within. I think I, I was watching a Max Verstappen interview. Um, earlier this morning and he was like look it's like almost not enjoyable to drive on you know when it's this slippery and, and Perez was saying the same thing so yeah something to keep an eye out for uh, but regardless that's uh you know it's it's cool that like you said this is a relatively new track to f1 it's only the, the second time that we've raced here so um it's awesome
1: yeah and I I always find that the new asphalt uh perspective and how that affects them so weird I mean I feel like anytime there was a road in our neighborhood that got new asphalt, that was you know the perfect road to be going on. You know everything's so smooth. You take out the rollerblades, the bike, you know, uh, the scooters, and you just be flying. Uh, so weird to think that new asphalt, new updated asphalt, it actually causes slick, uh, slippery. Who would have thought the difference between a bike and an F1 car? You know, in a in a neighborhood. So
0: well, I assume you're at least getting close to how fast F1 cars go on your bike.
1: I would put the Gatorade bottles, crush it up, and put it in my spokes to sound like really, really like a motorcycle or something nice. like that too. So Yeah, yeah dude, was, I heard
0: that got a lot of girls when you did that.
1: Yeah, no, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> Sadly, no. Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah, moving on. Uh, so our last little segment, uh, sector, uh, as, uh, as we call it, is our race predictions. So um, I know we did this last week. I have a commanding 3-2 lead over Ian. We'll just go through this one by one like we did last week. So, first one, who do we think will crash or do not finish? Um, I'll I'll start. I think Carlos Sainz is going to I think uh he's had, you know, really good start to the year. Um, I think, you know, just having some slick tracks. Um, and yeah, I want to see a little bit of uh destruction and uh change it up kind of in the top dog. So, hopefully, you know, one of them goes down causes a little craziness
0: like it um i would say so for my dnf i'm gonna put yuki uh yuki's never raced on this track before um you know i think you could say that about all of the rookies um but he i was actually watching an onboard with him during free practice this morning and he spun at a corner that you probably shouldn't spin at so yeah i'll put yuki for mine uh next up winner I think we're both trying to not be boring and just pick Lewis, even though I think if you asked us uh, you know, in our heart of hearts who we think would win, we would both say Lewis. But let's not say Lewis. I'm going to uh, actually take a big leap and say that the underperforming Valtteri Beltas is going to come home on the top step of the podium. What about you?
1: I like that. And I'm kind of basing it off of last year as well. So obviously Lou is dominated. Don't want to put Max as well, but Charles ended up coming in fourth last year in this track. So uh, maybe some craziness happens at the front and he can, you know, maintain a last, last lap lead and take it home. Love it. Uh, and then our, our next one is uh, last place. <laughs> um for, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, yeah, the fun and entertaining Mazepin.
0: Yeah, I don't think he can really squeeze his way out of uh, out of P20. Um, I think he would. Yeah, he'll he'll be groping toward the end of the uh, to the end of the grid for sure. Mazepin is my answer too. Yeah,
1: and I I think I think that most of the time we try not to uh, have the same race predictions. I think the only person that will allow having us have the same is with Nikita Mazepin.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, All right, driver of the day here. I'm going to say Sergio Perez. He's had some unlucky races, like just at the start with unfortunate things happening. So I think he's due for uh, for an awesome drive. I'll say Sergio.
1: I'm going to go with Daniel Ricciardo. I think you know as he gets more comfortable with this car. Uh, his pace is going to pick up as well. Uh, and our next one is Douche of the Day. Uh, douche of the Day is brought to you by Summer's Eve. Uh, as we always say, that the actual Douche of the Day will get a care package from Summer's uh, Eve. So I'm sure our predictions, they're fingers crossed that they end up being the good Douche of the Day. And Ian, how about you start?
0: I would say uh, Lance Stroll. I've just seen a little bit of testiness out of him, talking to his engineers and some uh, not overly aggressive stuff, but um, but just things that I think will probably get him in trouble on a slick track. Um, I know he's good in the rain, but I, I just kind of feel like Stroll's in for one today. So, what about you? Who's your Who's your Summer's Eve douche of the day?
1: I'm gonna go with uh, Kimi Raikkonen uh, just Great because choice. it feels like we haven't had a huge Kimi meltdown of him scrim- screaming at his engineers and his uh, his pit. Always exciting to to get some of his race audio from that. And uh, up next is the fastest pit stop minus Red Bull. I'm going to go with AlphaTauri for no specific reason.
0: Yep, and for no reason other than I think Danny Ricardo said something about he was an impressor and he was like, yeah, pit stop is 1.9 seconds. I'm like, that's a pretty impressive pit stop, so maybe McLaren's cooking something up. But again, this is kind of one of those where we just throw shit on the wall and hope at least one of
1: us gets it right. Another throwing shit on the wall is our wild card prediction (laughs) – I'm going to go with Mr. Q2, George Russell, does not make Q2. Oh,
0: Mr. Q2. I like that. And when everybody loses their mind when he gets Q2. Yeah, mine's going to be that um, Ricardo beats Lando by at least three positions. Um, I don't know. I, I Again, this is who the fuck knows what we're doing here. But I, I just think <laughs> Lando's been outperforming him. I think everybody's kind of forgotten about Danny.
1: I don't think that's going to be the case for much longer. But we will see. All right, and yeah, awesome. Those are um, you know something that we look forward to. Hopefully, you guys keep an eye on that. Maybe make your own race predictions. But that does it for our quick uh, update before qual's and the race itself. Uh, really looking forward to this weekend, and we'll be sure to have our race re- recap early next week.
0: Perfect. Appreciate everybody listening. We'll see you
1: guys soon. Bye. All right. See you, assholes. See you, assholes.